Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Happy New Year to you. This is our last podcast of 2023. And I know on behalf of Chelsea and I and my husband, Ryan, who does all of our brave parenting behind the scenes work, we want to thank you for your support of our ministry this year. We really do pray that the podcasts are just edifying for you and your parenting journey. And of course, we want you to be able to share this information, this podcast, the knowledge that you take away with other parents. There are so many parents who do not feel empowered or convicted enough to limit media consumption. And as we know, the results are devastatingly all around us. One of these devastating consequences that we're going to be discussing today is the rise of teenage gambling through sports betting apps. I admit that this topic flew under my radar for actually several years as it was beginning, but over the last year, I began to see some news articles popping up about teenage gambling and sports betting. I saw some advertisements and and honestly, I'll tell you, at first I thought, well, that's not really that big of a problem. I mean, who's really doing it? And so it sort of got pushed towards the at the end of our docket, if you will, of podcasts and research that we were wanting to do. And as I saw it come forward, I thought, you know, I really do need to research this. And I am so glad that I finally did because this topic actually has much more depth than I even imagined. I think this is probably one of the most important podcasts for parents of adolescent boys, you know, aside from the pornography episodes, because we all know those are extremely important. But this is probably second to that because this really is a growing problem that's sort of insidious. It's it's very easily hidden. And, you know, sports betting and gambling just requires a little education. If you're not into the gambling scene or you don't really know what's going on with that. So you need a little warning to be aware of how it's starting and how and where this problem can end up leading to. So what I want to do is start with a little history lesson on sports betting. I personally found it a little fascinating, and I think that it illuminates how we got to this place of where we are in 2023. Now, for a long time, gambling in the form of casinos was only legal in a couple states, and sports betting was only legal in Nevada. Now, sports betting in particular has a very tainted history that goes all the way back over 100 years to 1921 when eight Chicago White Sox players were banned for allegedly throwing the 1919 World Series. Now, fast forward a little bit. In 1951, the federal government imposed a 10% tax on any money brought in through legal sports gambling in Nevada. They wanted to slow the spread of sports betting because so many different athletes and different professional sports were getting in trouble for doing this sort of illegally and under the table. Well, in 1974, their efforts to tax the money just was floored it when the tax was lowered to 2%. And then another 10 years later was lowered to 0.25% where it remains today. So that was no longer the course of action that the government was taking. And as we know, as time went on from the 80s on, professional sports became the main source of entertainment. And of course, for Americans, that also meant betting on it. Well, in 1992, President George H.W. Bush signed into law the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act. Now, this is abbreviated PASPA, P-A-S-P-A, which 
banned sports betting in any state that did that already did not allow it, which only left Nevada where it was legal. Well, in 2006, in response to the explosion of online poker and casino games, President George W. Bush signed into another law that was the Unlawful Internet Gaming Enforcement Act, and this prohibited the acceptance of payments in connection with gambling, which is illegal in that state, which again was every every state but Nevada. Well, that law, however, it the language in it distinguished between skill-based games and games of chance. And what this did was it allowed an open door for the fantasy industry to boom. And that's where we see fantasy football. That's, you know, this was 2006. If you can think back to the first time you probably heard of fantasy football, it was right around this time. Well, after the state of New Jersey filed a federal lawsuit because they wanted to be able to be um, to be able to have legal sports betting in their state, because that's where Atlantic City is, the other sort of Las Vegas on the East Coast. So they filed a federal lawsuit in order to be able to get this to be legal, and they fought against the PASPA. Well, in March of 2018, the Supreme Court heard this case, and they struck down PASPA, claiming, claiming that the states were free to establish their own sports gambling laws. Well, since 2018, 37 states have now legalized sports betting. And Americans have bet $220 billion on sports through legal gambling since then. Now, the states where it remains prohibited, because it's easier for me to list 13 than it is to tell you the 37 where it's legal, the states where it is still illegal to gamble on sports are California, Texas, Oklahoma, Idaho, Utah, Minnesota, Missouri, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Alaska, and Hawaii. So if you heard your state in there, it is still illegal to gamble in those states, on, or at least to bet on sports in those states. However, as we're going to see later on, eh, it doesn't really matter. But it is also important to note that the legalization in most of these states, these 37 states, designate this as 21 and older. However, there are a few states that allow it at 18, and they are Kentucky, Montana, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Tennessee, and Wyoming. So as you can imagine, casino and gambling type of apps gained a lot of popularity during COVID lockdowns. And when sporting events picked back up after the lockdowns were re- we were reopened back up, so did sports betting. And as more and more states legalized it over the past five years, the more normalized and really even sadly, a natural part of being involved and watching a sporting event that it became. Well, given the ubiquity and dependence of smartphones in the lives of Americans, especially after COVID, there is no surprise that these sports betting apps have made an equal rise. Some of the most popular are, and there are tons, but this is just some of the most popular, DraftKings, Fanatics, BetMGM, FanDuel, Caesars, Bet Rivers, and ESPN Bet. And all of them are available on iOS and Android. Now, I want you to listen to this quote from the CEO of DraftKings because I think he very poignantly speaks to how these sports betting apps have just grafted themselves to be a part of the just natural American psyche and normal rhythm of life nowadays. He says, quote, 
While the milestones of legalized sports betting that have led up to now are remarkable, this industry is excitingly still far from being fully realized. Legal betting is already a part of mainstream sports culture, and I anticipate this trend will grow as adoption increases. The accessibility right now for fans to place a live micro bet during a game, for example, shares parallels with other smartphone-powered capabilities like hailing a ride, buying a stock, or playing a podcast, end quote. Now, coming from the CEO of one of these sports betting apps, I think it's fair to say that, yeah, that, that's their goal. They want sports betting through an app to be so easy, you could do it at a red light. They want you to be able to access the app and bet with such ease that you do it just like you would play in this podcast. You do it uncritically without considering that just because you can doesn't mean you should. So they, they want it to just be so natural that no one's critically thinking about the consequences. And these sports betting companies ruthlessly seek new bettors. If you've watched any television, especially sports, you've surely seen their advertisements. I confess I don't actually watch television, but I have seen their advertisements if I've been at a restaurant and they're playing sports on a television or just through um, billboards, all, all sorts of stuff. I've seen these advertisements and I live in Texas where it's not even legal and they're advertising here, which I think is, <laughs> which is really a crucial point. Um, but it's also interesting how much growing concern there is around the abundance of sports betting advertising. Because there is no federal oversight of the industry, because remember, in 2018, every state became individually in control of their sports betting. There is little to no regulation on the advertising. Now, if you remember, when big tobacco came under fire for all of you know, all that it caused, all the addictions and death and all of that, cigarette and tobacco ads were completely banned. And if you ever looked back on how deceptive those cigarette and tobacco ads were, it's really easy to see how they were able to sway young people to begin smoking. Well, there's a parallel here with how sports betting is advertised. You know, yes, the ads do often include a disclaimer about if you have a gambling problem, you know, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER to get help. But they also use very persuasive language to lower the threshold of fear for new bettors. They're offering free bets or you know, free money or incentives if, you, if your team wins on your very first bet. And this is concerning because gambling is a real addiction. It's not just a, a problem for some people. I mean, it is a clinical ad addiction. And with that threshold being lowered, number one, now that it's already accessible and super easy and natural flow of life on a smartphone, you know, whereas before you had to go through a bookie or you actually had to be in Nevada, both of which was never or rarely never going to happen for a teenager. Now that accessibility on the phone and the persuasive language in the bombardment of advertisements has lowered the threshold to almost neutral. And I also have to add that it's not just advertisements on television or billboards. It's also flooding social media with advertisements and they enlist influencers, of course, who are gonna promote one specific app and they're gonna live stream on Twitch. They're gonna share their betting strategies. They do all of these things. And then they enlist on top of that big name celebrity endorsers. 
former professional athletes. So you'll see the likes of like Jamie Foxx, Drew Brees, Peyton and Eli Manning, um, Wayne Gretzky, Drew Barrymore, all sorts of famous people are promoting these sports betting apps. And again, all of this, all through social media, right before the eyes of teens and young adults who spend the bulk of their time on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Discord, and all of these social platforms. So there are many who are pushing to get sports betting advertisements really under control. But the reality is that because these states, individual states, are making millions in tax revenue, they are less inclined to cave to these lobbyists pushing for regulation. So I just did a quick Google search on sports betting advertising just to see what sort of news articles or whatever came up. And I'm just going to list a handful of these news articles because I think it's very telling as to the, the sort of vibe and, and feel that a lot of people have about these sports betting ads. Here we go. The first one. Ads for sports betting have been more effective than original cigarette campaigns. Mm, so that's kind of telling. The next one says, the sports betting ads are awful and they're not going away. Another says, the NFL is running way too many sports betting ads. And this one, an explosion in sports betting is driving gambling addiction among college students. And top U.S. betting firm lobbied against rules to protect young people and problem gamblers, which I'm going to clarify that, that top U.S. betting firm, that's FanDuel, the app FanDuel, they actually fought against protecting young people and problem gamblers. So that is definitely a concern. Another headline reads, DraftKings doubles down on marketing amid rising competition in sports betting market which also goes to show that the competition between different organizations, different apps is so fierce that the marketing is more of a competition tool than it is um, trying to get new betters as well. And then the final headline is amid global crackdown, US advertisers spend 400% more on sports betting. Now, let me just unpack that one for a second because In other countries, such as the UK or Australia, sports betting has been legalized for longer than what it is here in America. And the fallout that has occurred there has already happened, it's already being reckoned with. And one of the ways that they are doing that is by limiting advertisements. The president of the Australian Medical Association just described youth gambling as a, quote, massive public health problem in their country. Well, I think we would all agree that it'd be lovely to think that our country would learn from the mistakes of other sort of Western countries, but that is not what's happening. We are going even further, full force ahead in this sports betting arena. Okay, so let's address the big question you are probably wondering. How do these apps keep young people off of them? Like if if it's illegal to gamble in Texas, how do people in Texas still bet on sports on these apps? And how do they know that I'm in Texas? How do they keep someone from a state where it's illegal from still making bets? Well, the apps will will tell you forthright that they employ various age verification strategies. Some request the submission of legal documents, such as a driver's license or passport, and others may use selfies and third-party facial recognition software in order to verify your age. In order to verify the state of residence, some apps use geolocation services while others will just ask you what state you're in. But for the most part, however, 
Their disclaimers and warnings of strict penalty enforcement for falsifying information, which of course is listed in detail in their terms of service that nobody ever reads, this clears them of legal responsibility if someone underage or someone who lives in a state where it's prohibited were to use the app and bet on sports. They're clear because they warned you in advance, hey, it's legal for you to do this, even though they still make a way (laughs) for that to happen. Because like all restrictions, teens with ingenuity and determination have found plenty of workarounds. In articles all across the web, I found um, like testimonies from teens who cite it using other people's identification, maybe a family or a friend or just a random picture of someone off the internet. They mask their geolocation by using a VPN. Um, They find less popular apps with weaker verification systems, or they even use a family or friend's account. And these are all easy ways, they say, to circumvent the restrictions. Okay, so knowing these apps are easy to manipulate and work around age and location restrictions, it's not hard to see that this threshold of fear This low friction to use along with the overpowering advertising, this is exactly how teens have found themselves in a financial trouble and gambling addiction. Now, when we say gambling addiction, let's just consider the scope of that issue. According to the National Council on Problem Gambling, the national risk for gambling addiction increased by 30% between 2018 and 2021 which is the last time that they sort of assessed it. So in the first three years, that PASPA was overturned. Now, most significantly affected are men ages 18 to 24. Well, that prompted the NCAA to conduct research on college campuses, and they found that nearly 70% of students living on campus were betters. And 56% of those students stated that advertisements played a role in persuading them to bet. Now, I'm going to link the NCAA research in the show notes. So if you want to look more into that, there's lots of fascinating statistics there. But let's look at what the National Council on Problem Gambling found um, regards to high school students. That council found that 60 to 80% of high school students report having gambled for money during the past year. Now, that can be any type of gambling for money, not necessarily sports betting, but that 4 to 6% of the high school students are considered be at risk for developing a gambling problem. Now, a 2021 study of New Jersey middle schoolers showed that the vast majority, which was mostly boys, were participating in gambling and betting activities. So we're talking middle school. So I would assume sixth, seventh, eighth grade. So 12 to 14, you know, 13, 11, 12, 13, 14, that age range. And the most popular ways that they were gambling and betting was through purchasing loot boxes and video games or betting on sports. And this study is revealing because past research has shown that children who bet by the age of 12, no matter how harmless the betting is, are four times more likely to develop a gambling problem down the line. So these numbers are definitely telling of a growing problem. But let's hone in on what that 2021 study of New Jersey middle schoolers noted. They classified purchasing loot boxes in video games as a gambling activity. Now, let me explain what a loot box is in case anyone listening has not heard that term before. A loot box is a reward system of random gifts within almost all popular video games. Often they are purchased with real money or through in-game currency, 
but the in-game currency is purchased with real money. If a player wants a particular item within the game, they can buy a loot box that may give them such an item. Well, similar, similar to gambling, the reward is based on chance. And many kids will, especially those who have access to the mom and dad's credit card, will buy, 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 buy until they get what they want. So you can see how loot boxes are really similar to a slot machine. You don't know what you're going to get when you put your money in the slot machine and pull the lever, but the excitement of the opportunity to win something becomes addictive. Well, that same dopamine rush of a slot machine occurs in this video game play with loot boxes. And that same dopamine rush occurs in sports betting. It's the game of chance. And let's not forget how online video games work. Anyway, they're run by algorithms, highly trained and honestly, dangerously effective algorithms, which exploits the player's sensibilities. It capitalizes on their weaknesses and operates in such a way to maximize engagement and money spent. Honestly, this should sicken you. <laughs> this should make you never want to allow your son or daughter to play these online games with loot boxes. However, there is an, an equal form of grooming of young minds for the gambling world that occurs through innocuous and fun apps that many parents allow on iPads and smartphones. You know, anything that allows a player to collect virtual coins or earn a virtual pet operates in the same way. If you listened to the podcast last week when we covered Timu, the shopping app Timu, I mentioned how the language learning app Duolingo ensnares its users with tactics that make the user feel addicted to the app. There are people all across the web sharing their testimony of how they became addicted to Duolingo. And it kind of sounds funny. And I think when we see these stories, you know, we, we do, we want to say, how could that happen? How could you become addicted to something as simple as a language app? But what is happening between the screen and the majority of young people today is that they are slowly being groomed to live for these micro hits of pleasure from gaming. And we don't think of it as gambling, but when you step back and actually compare them, those pleasure dopamine rushes that you get from buying the loot box until you finally get what you want from that loot box or playing the game so much that you earn so many points or rewards. This is all a sort of grooming mechanism to get you to always be looking for these games of chance in order to get something from it, could get some sort of pleasure. And just to add, this is a topic of a lot of current research. One recent study showed a significant positive relationship between the amount of money video gamers spent on loot boxes and their problem gambling severity. I looked through several scientific studies and found that most of them conclude that the normalization of gambling behaviors is the biggest concern. Now, remember when I said, when I quoted the CEO of DraftKings, these sports betting apps, they, want, they aim to have them be such an integrated part of your everyday life. They want it to be normal. They want you to feel like sports betting is as normal as eating three meals a day. So now we have younger and older adolescents groomed into this normalized gambling behavior through video games. We have advertisements bombarding them with persuasive language and empty promises. And we have the apps who recklessly allow 20 different ways to bypass age and location restrictions. 
It's a recipe for disaster if I've ever seen one. And here is the other concerning aspect of the problem gambling or addiction. There are no tells, especially early on. There is not an observable drunkenness or deterioration of health, hygiene, schoolwork. Normal activities of life can go on while you're doing this sports betting. Your teenage son, or I guess your husband, even if we're honest, you know, could be betting on sports while gathered around in the kitchen with the family, and no one would know the difference because it's so easy on the smartphone. And it's become such a normal thing to look over at a person and then see them tapping away on their phone, even if they're involved in a conversation. It often isn't until some sort of financial crisis is discovered that anyone finds out about the sports betting. Now, you're probably thinking, where on earth do teens get this money, right? Where are they getting this money to do the sports betting? And from what I read online and what I know about a lot of my own children's friends, a lot of teens have access to their parents' credit card. And rarely are they questioned about their purchases. Now, I don't allow my kids access to my credit card. So to me, this idea seems crazy, but I don't know, maybe this is a norm and I'm just not part of that norm. But I feel confident that my husband and I would catch this if we did allow our credit card to be used. We look at our statements and we would probably begin to question what some of these purchases were. The other option, of course, is that teens are working themselves and they're spending their own money on the betting. And, you know, I can see this happening, especially if parents don't have access or don't actually check their child's bank account to see where their money is going. You know, I also think that in the day of Cash App and Venmo, there's a lot of money being exchanged between teens that parents don't know about. And if we're honest, um, there could be a lot of unethical, immoral, and illegal ways for teens to get money, to make money. And if the gambling problem gets to such an extent, the teen could very well resort to some of these unethical, immoral, or illegal ways to, to get money. But money aside, gambling addiction is serious. Most parents don't give it a second thought because in our culture, there's so many other more prevalent and perilous addictions, it seems. Right, a pornography addiction seems to us more terrible, or definitely a drug addiction is definitely more scary. But research has shown that 19% of problem gamblers attempt suicide, and that's the highest rate of any addiction. And so that's serious, right? Also, a problematic gambling is also associated with other addiction-causing behaviors such as alcohol or drug use. So brave parents, what are we to do with this information now that we've gone through it all and we stand back and we say, okay, how do we mitigate this risk? How do we keep our children from slipping into this gambling addiction through sports betting apps? And even more so, how do we just keep them from being groomed into gambling-like behaviors through even video games? Well, I've got a couple of different ways. First, we need to recognize that the access that kids have to download apps or purchase and play video games without supervision or restriction is directly tied to their risk for gambling. This is why it is essential to wait and limit. Waiting means that our six and seven-year-olds aren't playing iPad games every chance they get. Limiting means that you block your kids' ability to download apps on their own. They must ask for permission for each and every app. This isn't over-controlling, nor is it helicopter parenting. This is the most loving thing that you can do for your child so they are not groomed into a gaming addiction, a gambling addiction, social media addiction, porn addiction. 
Think about how every app wants them, them, wants them hooked, wants them entertained, wants to play on their emotion and their pleasure-seeking nature that already exists in adolescence. We have to think about how the apps are working, not just what will make my kid happy in this moment. Number two, we need to start having conversations about gambling. The conversation really does need to include loot boxes and video games. Whether or not you've allowed video games, you still need to talk about this aspect of it and warn them about the addictive qualities. You need to talk about sports betting. You need to talk about the apps, the advertisements, how manipulative that they can be and persuasive, and also talk about the addiction that comes along with these behaviors. You know, that this education piece is actually being proposed to be mandatory in public schools. And the reasoning goes that because kids already receive education on drugs and alcohol, they also need education on gambling. And I have to say that if it was actually, especially include loot boxes and video games, I am all for that legislation because it's true. Kids are taught that drugs and alcohol are bad. And if, if they aren't being directly groomed into drug use through video games or alcohol use through video games, but they are through video games and, and through the loot boxes in the video games, then yes, they need to be educated on this. So all that to say, if it's going to become mandatory and mandatory education in public schools, then it definitely needs to be a conversation in our homes with our kids. And number three, we need to restrict our kids' access to our credit card or our Venmo account. If you have your credit card attached to an Xbox or a PlayStation account, be sure there are parental controls in place that prohibit kids from buying anything without asking. Also, don't allow access to the App Store or Google Play with your credit card on file, right? You've got to restrict them from accessing those apps or purchasing through money um, on your accounts. I have talked to parents who have allowed this, especially on the, the game consoles, who have allowed this without thinking. They've allowed their credit card to be spent. The kids have spent hundreds of dollars and they feel too bad about it that that they that they don't want to take it away because their kid is going to be so unhappy because that now that they've allowed it now the kid's gotten used to it and i just i just want to tell y'all that it, this is not about happiness we've got to know that this this life is not our only goal is not happiness we can't seek to make our kids happy this is a life of addiction that you are building by allowing them to continue to have access to your credit card and spend money on these loot boxes. It is a life of entitlement and regret. Their entitlement and your regret. They will not thrive in young adulthood. And honestly, yes, they're gonna blame you because you're the parent and you should have known better and been stronger so that they don't end up in such a desperate spot. I think that all of my listeners here know someone who is probably doing this, who is allowing their credit card to be used on their child's Xbox or PlayStation account. And I just encourage you with this information to bring to them or share this podcast because it really is building a life of entitlement and addiction in them. And it needs to come to a stop. And number four, we are not to allow any gambling in front of children. Even if a family member recreationally gambles and, and does so safely, like they're old enough, and they can do so safely, it should never, ever involve the kid who's under 18. This means that dads aren't asking their 15-year-old sons for recommendations for his fantasy football league or discussing the bet he's going to make on the Super Bowl. 
And it can even be as benign as as not letting your younger kids scratch off lottery tickets. Because all of this sends the wrong message that gambling and betting are normal forms of entertainment. And yes, society is making it normal, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. We've got to remember that. There can be some adults who can do this safely and not get themselves in the financial ruin and maybe just doing it, you know, occasionally. And that's fine. Adults can do that. But adolescents and young adults will rarely, if ever, accomplish this type of balance, which is why it is designated as illegal for them. It's illegal because we know their brains can't handle it. So we as parents have got to be sure to also work those boundaries so that it stays out of their hands. And leading to that, number five is to set clear boundaries. This sort of wraps up the first four all in one. The boundaries, they are the limits and restrictions to access to games and apps and money. But it is also the conversation where you tell them that sports betting and loot box purchasing is not allowed due to the risks of problematic gambling. Make sure you set that expectation. All right. So those are my five things that I think all of us as parents can very easily do in order to prevent this issue. Those are my practical thoughts from the thoroughly researched review I've done over the past two weeks on the sports betting app phenomenon that we're experiencing. But here's my biblical response to this topic and really the whole overarching topic of media addiction. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That comes from Matthew 6, 24. And this is true of every addiction. You cannot love drugs or food or social media or alcohol or pornography to the point of addiction and still love God the same. You, Especially if you are a saved, you know, redeemed by Christ individual. If so, the Holy Spirit has to be squelched in order for this addiction to be developed. You have to not listen to your conscience and what God's word actually says in order to get to a point where you're addicted to something. God's word has to be either dismissed or reinterpreted to validate your addiction, in which case it's no longer authoritative you know, to direct your life. An addiction is a new master. And to be addicted to something is to serve that substance or that behavior. God cannot be your master nor can you serve both. And as Christian parents who really are trying to form the faith of our children and disciple them, we of course would never want our child to hate God and love their addiction. And I, again, truly believe that parents, brave parents listening to the podcast feel the same way. But the problem is that we too have been groomed to believe that it is a right to have access to media and technology as a child. We cave under the pressure of the world and we allow these games and these apps that our gut tells us is concerning, that the Holy Spirit warns us that we probably shouldn't be doing. And I get it. I have been there. But we have to be brave and stand up against this pressure. We have to be willing to have disappointed kids in order to produce healthy and thriving adults. And the way we are doing it right now is not working. Young adults, teenagers, they are majorly struggling. And I believe with all my heart, it is because of the online access granted to them at younger ages and even through the young adult ages, 18 to 24. And they just have so much media and so much large volume. And there is a common thread weaving each and every media and tech company together with a common purpose. And that is addiction. Sure, 
They train their algorithms for maximum engagement. But what is that really? It is addiction. It is mind manipulation that through the exploitation of pleasure chemicals, they keep someone engaged who would otherwise engage in different activities. Think about it. Social media, how many times have we said on the podcast about how much these platforms do not care about kids? They don't care that teen girls are developing eating disorders or committing suicide because of the content on their platforms. What do they care about? They care about their bottom line. Video games, same thing. Loot boxes and algorithms to keep them engaged. And look what they've created. A generation of lost boys. Boys who are not thriving, not working, not dating, not driving, not even caring about sex. Because why? Because they have video games instead. Do the video game companies care about kids? Like truly care? No. And now we have sports betting apps, just like social media apps. They know there's users underage. Like social media apps know that there's kids under 13. Sports betting apps knows that there's teenagers under the age of 18 and 21 who are joining their apps and standing, you know, in line to make these bets. They know that they're there. They're marketing to them, but they don't care. I think this is the most baseless and inhumane capitalist machine targeting targeting innocent image bearers of God. They exploit children and aim for as many addicted adolescents as possible. And no matter how normalized American culture makes this, this is not okay according to God's word. Matthew 18, 6 says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. And of course, we know that vengeance is the Lord's. We are not responsible for the ruthless and wicked tactics of these media and tech companies, but we are responsible for knowing how these apps and video games and social media sites, how they operate and the risks that they pose on children and keeping our children out of their evil hands. If we are not bravely standing up against this tide of addiction causing forms of entertainment, then we are complicit. I know we don't like to see our children left out or singled out because they're different and they don't get to play video games, you know, as such and such and everyone else in the neighborhood. But this is not the reason. This is not reason enough to allow them to be groomed by these billionaires who are making a living off of exploiting children. We are charged to raise up our children in the way they should go, Proverbs 22, 6. And that way is not addiction. I can simply cannot emphasize this enough because my heart is so burdened after researching this topic, just how many app developers and game makers have a singular goal of addicting young people. It's evil. It's the enemy. Because if they are addicted to a substance or behavior, they cannot love God as master. What better tactic to steer an entire generation away from loving God and finding salvation in Jesus Christ than to addict them? Because you can't serve two masters. You're going to hate one and love the other. Well, as Christian parents, who fully seek to raise up disciples of Jesus Christ, our job is very clear. We keep the enemy from our kids when we wait and limit media and technology. Joshua 1, 7 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we need to take that to heart. We need to be strong and courageous, knowing that the Lord is there even when our kids feel isolated because they don't get the same media and technology as everyone else. All right, brave parents, that is my last passionate plea for 2023. (laughs) I may be preaching to the choir, 
And I know that, and I think that sharing it with you, you can then go share it with others because there are so many parents out there who, again, just don't know it and aren't convicted enough and aren't listening to podcasts or trying to educate themselves. And so we need all of us brave parents to just go out and share this message so that more and more kids can be saved from this type of addiction. And we also have a Brave Parenting Guide to Sports Betting Apps that is up on our website, braveparenting.net. We'll link that in the show notes. So if it's easier to share the website guide with someone or share the podcast, you know, just do that. If you're not going to have a conversation face-to-face, just share it with them. Maybe they'll listen. Maybe they'll read. It is just so, so important for all of the young image bearers of God to be saved from this. And it's really, it, it falls on us as parents. I know it's hard, but it can be done. Well, thank you again for just inviting Brave Parenting into your parenting journey and your Christian walk every week. We pray for each of you and hope the episodes truly equip you to parent bravely for Christ. So until next year, go and be brave.